0: This is Investor Creator. Guys, welcome to Tuesday Morning Coffee. Brad here. I'm with Tony, the two Tall Woodall, as you guys know already. Hey,
1: guys. Tony, morning. What, what say you? It's a beautiful morning out there, man. We were supposed to have the big heat again this week. Yeah. But it's been really cool in the mornings and the evenings, so... You're going to have a cigar with me later? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll not and say I
0: did. Okay. Fair that? enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know, that just means I have to smoke yours too. That, that is At just fine. Time. You know, so so James does uh, acquisitions here, and uh, he's not a cigar smoker. I'm not either. But uh, he decided I, he was going to have a cigar, and so he lights it, he lights it, and he takes that that first big draw, and he inhales like it's a cigarette. Oh, uh and he almost died Uh, like he was literally on his knees on the uh, pavement and I was like I just gave this guy a heart attack that happened to me in college I took
1: one I think I smoked a cigarette one time in college and I thought I was going to die
0: I never smoked a a whole cigarette I had my first cigarette whenever I was uh, either four or five years old Uh, my father thought it would be fun to give me one at my (laughs) my sister's now my sister's five years older my sister's (laughs) five years older and, uh, <laughs> her, her baseball, her softball team was called the Barbies. So if that tells you anything about the age I was, oh, my and he goodness. had to tell me, you got, you suck on it like a straw because I couldn't get it. And, uh, so that was my, my first cigarette and maybe it worked out for the best because I have a cigar every once in a while uh-huh. and I, I do not smoke cigarettes. So maybe this was really that, good parenting yeah, that we just yeah. don't realize was just way before you know, it's, it's kind
1: of like me. I'll have a, I'll have a bourbon every now and then, but I don't drink Kool-Aid. So there you it's go. The same it keeps thing. me away from the Kool-Aid. Yeah,
0: it keeps you away from the Kool-Aid. There's definitely a one-for-one correlation <laughs> on that. So, uh, cool, cool. Great to be with you, man. Now I am headed out tomorrow yeah. to uh, Tom Nardone's event. So that for those of you guys that don't know Tom, Tom is the millionaire mailman. So how, how this guy started, and th- this just kind of goes back to just keeping your eyes open. Yeah. So he was a mailman. Big antennas. Ha- had his mail route and he ended up, uh, going and serving foreclosure notices at times. And he would just say, Hey, uh, is there anything I can do to help? You know, maybe I could buy the house. And he ended up creating a nice little rental portfolio on his mail route that he got to check on every day paid by the U S government. And he got <laughs> to where not long after all of that happened that he was making more from his houses than he was from his mail route. And so he oh. went uh, full-time into real estate investing. He's been on, uh, USA, to, not USA. Good morning, America. Good morning, America. Good morning, America. And just a great guy as the mailman millionaire. The millionaire mailman. Millionaire mailman. Yeah, and I lo- I love his his email. His email is gethugechecks at gmail And I, I think about the mindset that you have to have to. I'm creating an email address. What should it be? Get huge checks. Get that's huge just that's just checks. what comes to mind. Com. That's just what comes to mind. So who knew what was hidden inside of that that mailman uniform? Yeah. And uh, he always jokes that whenever he was on the mail route, uh, he, he had like this full head of, of curly, bushy hair, and uh, now he's three-quarters bald. Yeah, at a boy, Tom. <laughs> you know? So uh, he always shows the picture, and that's nice. So all that to say, he's got uh, a two-day event I'm going to uh, Thursday and Friday. <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about the state of the market. How do we weather this real estate market? What decisions are we making differently in the business right now? Yeah. And I'm um, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. He always yeah. has a
1: good community. Make sure that they somebody videos that.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be videotaped. And, good. Uh, it's in Punta Gorda, which he says is a drinking town with a fishing problem. Punta Gorda. Which is just north of Fort Myers. Okay. All right, then. It's a it's a drinking town with a fishing problem. Yeah. I like that. So we're going to be in that fisherman, Fisherman's Wharf area, so uh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Pretty of course, you're only staying one night, right? Just the night to speak? Uh, no, I'll be there three. Three nights. So I'm leaving out like 7 p.m. tomorrow. Excellent. And then I'll, I'll be back first thing Saturday.
1: Well, the rest of us aren't bitter,
0: so don't worry about it. Yeah, it's okay. I'll, I'll try not to sunburn. <laughs> uh, and I'll try not to drown. I've got to do some, uh, some swimming for my hey, triathlon hey, stuff hey. in open water in the ocean. And I went to the—this was terrible. I went to the pool yesterday. And, uh, this is my first time in water where I couldn't touch. And so, you know, I'm trying to have some technique with my swimming and the strokes and everything. And, and I guess this goes to, to reason. The tough part is breathing. So I'm watching these other swimmers in the pool and they're doing laps and it looks like their head, their, their head is still in the water whenever they are taking their breath, like their mouth is covered, but they they have their technique down. I was like, well, I'm going to do that. So I, I go three breaths. I'm good. Four breaths. I'm good. Five fifth breath, inhaled uh, a cup of water. Uh, and,
1: which felt like an ocean, didn't it?
0: Yeah, correct. And so I got waterboarded and then I'm, I'm coughing. And I felt like on the sandlot, whenever, who's the kid with the glasses? Sphinx yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. When he jumped into the pool at the deep end, even though he couldn't swim so he could kiss the, the lifeguard. Only I had no intention of kissing the lifeguard, <laughs> although it looked like the same girl. And, you know, she saw me coughing and flailing and just trying to... to <laughs> To stabilize myself, I could tell. I'm not saying that she was about to jump in after me, but I am saying that I was the most interesting thing in the pool at the time. <laughs> so that was kind of my day yesterday. So all that. You say. know
1: what? What I was thinking about when when like the feelings you had. You, you know, we look around, we get up, and we look around to see who saw it. Oh yeah, for sure. And and we we start getting extremely self conscious, and then we start trying to find somewhere to hide. Yeah. And it's kind of like what happens to us in what we do.
0: Oh, yeah. And I thought about that. And then I thought about, you know what I've got to do? I've got to be here for an hour in the water, regardless of what happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's the way to get through it. I have a question. I have a great deal. I have a couple of questions I don't know the answers to. I get on that Zoom call. And when Brad says, who wants to go first? Yeah. I don't raise my hand.
0: Yeah. Let let somebody else jump in the water first. Let's see how they do. And then... Like, that has anything to do with me.
1: Yeah. And then I have to look for three or four more excuses throughout the whole Zoom call in order to get through it yeah. without raising my hand and admitting to people, I don't know the answer to this question.
0: And it, it's so funny. If everybody knew, you wouldn't be there in the first That's right. place. That's why you're, we're in the program. Yeah. So it's like, we're, we're all in the pool swimming to get better. Uh-huh. That, no, nobody there is an Olympic swimmer. Right. So... Yeah, I thought about that specifically. It's like, okay, what do I do? Because what would I tell an apprentice that's, that's having some comfort issues because they're not good at something? It's like dive in, man. Yeah. Dive in. And the, the odd part about this is, uh, I took swimming lessons when I was maybe five or six years old and I couldn't swim. And the first day they were, they wanted you to march on the diving board and jump into the deep end and the lifeguard would get you. And I would not do it. I left. Uh, the same pool, and here I am, thirty years later, back in that pool. Back in that pool, and I thought about that. I was like, "This is the same pool. This is the same pool." And because I made that decision at the age of six, I lost thirty years, but I'm back. But I'm back. and and ooh, I'm gonna ooh, I'm ooh. gonna be in that pool. I'm gonna be in that pool. But uh, <laughs> all that to say, hopefully, it, and open water. Next, <laughs> you, <laughs> you should, should be back something. in speedos. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. I, I don't know about all that. That would make a good TikTok, though. Uh, it would make a great make, it, make a good TikTok. We had a Snoop Dogg TikTok yesterday, which was fantastic, <laughs> thanks to Lucas. So, All right, guys. So so back into real estate. We've gone 10 minutes off the reservation. We're talking today about lease options. We're talking today about lease options. So while we don't do lease options as a business model, and uh, this really came from, in part, one of the questions that we, we received in the Facebook group, because- right. Uh, somebody that's newer said, well, why don't we do lease options? And all I said to was that I, I saw really no advantage of doing lease options. And then it was a really good conversation. It was a really good, good conversation centered around, well, this is a good reason to do lease option. This is a good reason to do lease option. These, this is a good reason. And to put context to it overall, like the, the time that we do a lease option is when we're transferring the deal to owner finance and we're waiting on money to come in. So maybe uh, someone's pulling from a four hundred and one k to get the money mm-hmm. for the down payment, or they have an inheritance that's set to close out, or whatever that is. But we're waiting on some big cash payment, and we're doing lease options um, short term to short-term, do yeah. to do owner financing, medium and long term. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun to really just kind of compare and contrast the mm-hmm. two models and really talk about why we don't do these things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. We'll go pro-lease option first and kind of see what we come up with. So the first reason that someone said to do a lease option was appreciation. It's like, well, I still have title. I still have the appreciation. Well, not really. Not really. And the reason for that is when you have a lease option, it's two separate agreements. You have a lease and then separately you have an option agreement. That option is generally recorded against the deed, against title, but it, it has to be notarized to do that, but that secures the interest, just like a memorandum or a purchase. Anything can be recorded if it's notarized. And so that option has a strike price. So you can't say in an option, uh, buyer has the ability to buy the house at any point in, in the next three years, price to be determined. There has to be a price. And so if your lease option goes well, like you're hoping it to go then that strike price is the price that you're going to sell it at so the the appreciation is is a non-issue like you're not getting the appreciation you're getting the price that you agreed to in the option so d- does that make sense right, so far? right. okay so you can't, you can't once the lease option is once you strike a lease option you can't continue to go up on what your price correct is. correct so you're fixed in the amount that you're going to be getting for the property so the appreciation is is in is really the buyers. It's really the buyers. Just like in an owner finance. Just like in an owner finance, which I don't mind. So really the only
1: way you could have appreciation is if you maybe intended to get out of it to begin with.
0: Correct. If if the buyer ends up defaulting and not being able to move forward with the transaction. And so we'll definitely get to that. So the first pro of lease options appreciation, really not a pro at all. Okay. So the second is depreciation, so the opposite. So we got, hey, if I keep title, then I can depreciate it on my taxes. And that's true short-term. So uh, I think on residential, it's 27 and a half years. So you back out whatever the amount is on the land. And I used to work in accounting, so I'd see different accounting firms do it differently. I've seen people do uh, the tax appraisal, create, create a ratio of... The, the lot value out of the total tax value of the house. And so let's say that's 27% and then they would take 27% of the uh, purchase price that the person paid for the property out and then take what's left the remainder and amortize it across 27 and a half years. And so you're getting depreciation on your taxes. So it's a shelter of income. So in other words, if you have $50,000 in income and $50,000 from depreciation across multiple rentals, then you have zero taxable income that year. So you really created $50,000 in cash and income and the depreciation is in theory a non-cash amount, uh, because you're not paying that 50k in year one. But people say, Hey, you know, depreciation is a major influence in why I do lease options. I, I think that that's silly. I think that, that that's silly. And the reason that it's silly is if you want depreciation for tax advantages, then don't do an option because if the person exercises that option, the buyer exercises that option, then you have what's called depreciation recapture. And so that amount that you have depreciated on your taxes is recaptured that year as income. And then you have to pay tax on it. Okay. So it's just a timing issue. And this is why I think it's a really bad tax planning tool to depreciate year one, knowing you're going to sell in year two. It's just a timing issue. Because you're going to recapture it in year two. Correct. Correct. So there's really no benefit in that either. Okay. So depreciation, pretty silly in my opinion. Number three is, well, if I do a lease option, I don't have to foreclose if the deal goes bad, which is in part correct, but not totally. So like we talked about, there's a lease, there's an option. The option is generally recorded against title, especially if you do one of these at a law firm or title company. And so the buyer has equitable interest in the property. Okay you now have a a document on title that is encumbering title. So let's say, let's put a deal together. Let's say that I buy a house and I'm going to do a five-year lease option to a a tenant buyer. And in year two, they default, okay? And I decide, okay, I'm going to get the house back. For whatever reason, I'm going to sell it retail. I now have an encumbered title because there's an option agreement that shows a five-year term. Oh. Okay. So although you may not have to foreclose, you still have to go and do a title lawsuit to clear title if that buyer won't release. So the buyer doesn't have to release. Correct. Yeah. So the idea that, well, I don't have to go through foreclosure. Well, foreclosure is just a, a, a legal matter. You still have to go through a legal matter. Yeah. yeah regardless to, to of what title. you call what you're going to go through, you're going to go through that. Correct. Okay. Correct. So really no benefit in that. But most people don't understand that if there's an option on title that uh, that's still in play, that you have to clear it. You have to clear it. Same thing for contract for deed. It's actually worse for contract for deed. Contract for deed is viewed in most states as a stronger legal document than a lease option. So contract for deed basically says, you know, uh, me and Joe have done a contract for the deed. And at the point that the last payment's made in 30 years, I transfer the deed to that person.
1: Okay. Boy, I sure wouldn't want to spend 30 years paying for something that
0: I wouldn't own until then. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, but the benefit of the buyer in this case is if that 30 years, let's say in year 20, they still haven't paid it off. It's the buyer that has the right to sell it, not the seller, not the owner. Okay. You know, so because they have ten year, 10 more years of right to the property. They are the ones that can sell it, just very similar to a wholesale deal. So if you have a a seller that's discounting a property and a wholesaler puts it under contract, the seller can no longer sell the property. It's the buyer that can sell the property. And then they assign the contract. Okay. Okay. So no real benefit of, of, like, no foreclosure. Well, technically, yes, but not really, which is a lot of the answers that we give sometimes. It's like, well, it depends. You know, I had a, a an accounting professor, Tim Kosky. He was a tax attorney and a CPA. His answer was almost always, it depends. Well, should we do an LLC or an S Corp? Well, it depends. You know, and so that's why we, we try not to give broad brushstroke advice. The one thing that I can see as being a potential benefit of lease options short term is the idea of double dipping. So... You do a lease option, you get a small deposit as an option fee, and you have cash flow across time, and then you get the property back. And so the argument is, well, I'm getting the property back, I can reset the amount that the person, that the the next buyer buys it for. I have pay down during this time, I have depreciation, I have appreciation, all these things. And so I can just reset the deal. So have you ever heard of someone talk about that and say, well, you know, it it sounds like a better deal to me to just get the properties back all the time? Yeah. Okay. There's a few problems with this. It, it's actually, I think, the, the biggest part of the whole thing, which is what's the vision for the, for the business? Because if you're consistently getting properties back, then you're consistently having to go back to work to create the same amount of cash flow. And so people don't think about that. And the reason that, that they think, well, I can get the property back is because they don't know how to do another deal and another deal and another deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're having to get it all done in one deal. Yeah. So yeah, if you're gonna do 20 deals across your career, then you've got to maximize the potential for those 20 deals. But if you're in a position where um you can do as many deals as you wanna do, really, you don't want the properties back. And I actually learned this from Rich. So, Rich Harris, great friend of mine, was like family. And I remember one time years ago that he was talking about a deal where uh, he was trying not to foreclose on it, but there was a hundred thousand in additional equity if he did. And I said, "Well, why not just foreclose?" And he said, "Well, then I have to go back to work." And I think about the the power of that. <laughs> you know, he would rather have stable cash flow than more equity and unstable cash flow, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm telling you, that's another mindset. You're, that's that's talking from a different place that I buy my coffee at. <laughs> I mean, Tell me about that. Well, I mean, that's just, a, my mind hasn't gone that far yet. My experience hasn't been that. Yeah. And, and one of the things, if I've learned anything, it's been that my experience follows mindset. Mindset has to go somewhere first, most of the time.
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%.
1: And my mindset is not there. I've not, I haven't even imagined me ever saying those words like, well, then I'll have to go back to work.
0: Yeah.
1: That's another planet.
0: Yeah. Right
1: now. But just hearing that out loud, you know, it registers. Yeah. And so, uh, I'll probably use that and say that a few more times now. And I'll probably think about that a few more times. And it's easing me closer to that place, just having that,
0: that thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and I think it's a hundred percent true that your, your mindset goes where your experience is, is going next. And I've seen this so, so often in my life, but. Uh, I agree. <laughs> it's next level for sure, and it was a fundamental shift for me. But specifically with lease options, you get the house back. What are you going to have to do? Probably rehab it.
1: So yeah. if you can capture, if you're going to capture immediate equity from somewhere yeah, else, you can maximize agree. it, which
0: is that that plan. That's right. Then you're going to have to put carpet in, paint it, and so the cash flow that you felt like you had year one and two could be extinguished. Yeah. To create cash flow. That's slightly higher possibly, uh-huh. and this ec- this phantom equity that you feel like you have. Right. Only to do it again two or three more years from now. Okay? So it's an unstable platform to create growth. Right. And so what a lease option person, and I would love to debate someone on this. I think it'd be a lot of fun. That's like a diehard lease option person.
1: It would be a lot of fun. Um,
0: In a friendly, yeah, competitive, yeah, yeah. but mean, they're wrong kind of way. Yeah. And it would be even better if they came in
1: feeling the same way.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah, because I could I could prove to them on a whiteboard that they're wrong. No, but seriously, I mean, everybody has a different context of what they're looking. Yeah,
1: at. you know, here lately, I've had b- because of when you speak or when you'll be teaching on your your picture of things, your view of things. I'll have somebody say, "Well, I heard on, I heard on Brad's thing why y'all don't wholesale." I think he said something about a rat race or
0: something. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And he said, so does that mean if I become a, 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 an apprentice in the program that I can't wholesale? I said, no, that's not what it means. I said, uh, we're not against how anybody makes money. Yeah. But you, you've come asking how we're making money and we feel strongly about it. If you join Cardone's program, he, he's going to feel very strongly about what he teaches and what he says. Yeah. And in the words of my daddy, he'll, you'll be dead wrong if you follow him. But
0: <laughs>
1: no, I'm just, I'm just kidding there. But, but we feel strongly about what we're doing. So it's, uh, it's not that we think somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. There's rightness probably in a lot of things, but we, we feel very strongly that this is a proven better, more strategic way for right now. Yeah. For you to invest your money because we're not that's the thing I keep trying to tell people who say well i'm I'm a flipper w- well we're not we are in the how money works business
0: yeah hundred percent yeah it's so funny because a lot of times the the answer is is different on the same deal if you're looking at it short versus long term yeah you know and so a wholesaler can say well you know I'm not having any type of of long-term issue with the, the deal I'm in I'm out and you know and I feel really good about that and I'm, I'm like well Short term, if I was in and out and made all the money I needed, then that would be great. But we're not building any asset base. We're not building net worth. We're not building cash flow with that kind of a model. And so what I would submit to you is that medium and long term, you're going to really hurt yourself Mm -hmm. by following that model. Mm -hmm. And I told Tony just the other day, might have been last Friday, I said, the biggest mistake I've made in the past five years, I didn't keep enough. I should have kept more, Mm -hmm. you know, without a doubt. I should have built a bigger team sooner and I should have kept more assets. We kept a lot, mm-hmm. but like literally every deal that I did where I thought, oh man, I'm I'm making 70K, I'm making 100K, I'd have been better off keeping that house.
1: Yeah, you know, everything that I do in here, I've learned from you or people you've introduced me to. So my formula has been, I want to do five creative financing deals for every one rehab. But over the next four years, I've come to the conclusion that I would like to do eight to 10 creative financing deals to everyone. It's not that I don't want the quick pop. Yeah. It's just that there's a lot more time and investment there on the front end. And it will take space financially too, that you could do four or five more of the creative financing deals, probably in the same amount of time. Yeah. Then in that time and capture more equity and cash flow than you would with those pops. Not all the time. Yeah. But when I when I measure both for me, because I'm not a full time investor, that is a much better deal for me at my age. I, if I just take the next five years and put ten in place
0: each year. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, the, the cash flow on that would be pretty outrageous. And I mean, it's it's not. I'm not because. I had, So the first thought that I had was like, it's not that hard to do. But I don't want to say it that way because the context is that it's easy. It's only easy once you get to work and, and you become uh, on-ramped into how we do it. Right. You know, but um, all right, cool. Yeah. So one thing that a lot of the, the lease option people, so going back to debating someone, what they would say is, well, I don't do repairs on my lease option. In my contract with my buyer, it says that they have to do repairs. That's cool. Anything works until it doesn't. But if you get in front of a judge, there's a a very sound legal doctrine that you cannot contract away liability. So if the idea that you could contract away liability was correct, there would be no such thing as tort law at all. There would be no medical malpractice. There would be no car crash law. You know, incidents, injury, that kind of stuff. It would not exist because. It, whenever you went to get surgery there would be a document that you signed that said if we if we do surgery on the wrong shoulder mm-hmm. then we're not liable and you signed it it's in a stack of 50 papers that you sign as intake right. forms and it's like oh sorry we made a mistake no you cannot contract away liability and so the way that I was taught this by an attorney it's like hey you know those uh, those dump trucks that say not responsible for fallen objects that's only to make you think that you can't sue them when they break your windshield
1: uh-huh. we had the same thing when I was a, a a youth pastor okay we'd go to summer camp and we we would have these whole harmless agreements that all that everybody would sign that they're not going to hurt hold the church uh, reliable but the reality is those are worth about the ink that was on them I mean yeah. it was you, that you can't do that
0: yeah and so it don't mean anything to court of law right correct and so like if the dump truck stops in the middle of the interstate and dumps a load of gravel because it says on the back that not responsible for objects that that somehow makes it to where when they call cause a fatality on the interstate that nobody's right. liable no you know so if you put in your contract for a lease option not responsible for repairs that means absolutely nothing you know so the hvc goes out it is the owner's responsibility to pay for repairs on the property that they own it's not the tenant's responsibility, okay? Now, commercial real estate, a little bit different. Yeah. There, You could make a case for, well, we pay for anything above a hundred bucks or something like that, but um, I mean, you are responsible for those repairs, mm-hmm. okay? So those are kind of the pros of lease option that I feel like we hear about that I frankly don't uh, subscribe to. Uh, I wanna go through the, the pros of owner finance, okay? And you, Tony's done owner finance deals quite a few, so he's seen this firsthand. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of go through those. The first pro of owner financing, I feel, is that we have an owner and not a tenant. We have an owner and not a tenant. And so within that, you think about the person that buys an owner finance house. They generally don't even understand that they, that they can buy real estate at all. And so you think about what the house becomes for them that, wow, I closed today. I'm moving in. This is my property. I couldn't get bank financing. Tony financed this deal for me. And you think about the pride of ownership that happens at that point versus a tenant. And I'm not anti-tenant, but a tenant is not going to have the pride of ownership that an owner does. Mm -hmm. And so we've had multiple properties where uh, they go in. Okay, one of the the most recent examples, we had a double wide where before closing even happened, he put a new roof on it. The buyer put a new roof on the property and uh, flooring. That's crazy. You know? But he knew it was going to be his. He knew it was going to be his. That's
1: his roof, his flooring.
0: Yeah. And so all that does for us is it makes our loan that for that person far more valuable. Because we know, number one, he has cash and cash reserves. He's taking care of the property. You know, like this, the collateral position is going up, so we have a better loan to value on the property. Mm-hmm. And we have someone that is highly emotionally vested in making the payment because they have sunk cost at the beginning to fix the property up. Mm-hmm. And then to pay a payment that is frankly not that much comparative and uh, it's a good position for him, mm. you know? So have you had any of your houses where somebody goes in and, you know, they, they had a not great property to begin with and needed some work? And- yeah. Yeah. One out here uh, in Leanna off of Sulphur
1: Springs road. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. We bought from the guy who had some mental issues. Pre foreclosure. Yeah. Pre foreclosure. And, um, they went in and rehabbed the entire house. It was gorgeous on the inside. And then, um, they wound up selling it. Yeah. They decided they wanted to live closer to an interstate and closer to Wilson County. So they bought something over there and sold this. And even after they rehabbed it, they, they made like 60 grand.
0: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Wasn't that Soggy Bottom Road or?
1: Close to that. Something bottom. Buckeye. Buckeye Bottom. Buckeye Bottom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you did, man. They they renovated this place to a T. The family had a construction background, and, and they just went to town. Yeah,
1: it was the first time I'd ever seen um, Borden Batten on the inside of a house, and they did it in the master bedroom. Mm. And it was just such a such an amazing touch yeah. on that one wall accent on that wall that I've done it in a lot of ours since then.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's a big difference in owners versus tenants. Number two, there's no vacancy and no repair, okay? So with either a a lease option model or a landlord model, you're going to consistently get the house back and have to do carpet, paint, or Mm -hmm. worse. At a minimum, it's carpet paint. I would say most landlords that I know, if I asked them out of 100 turnovers, Mm -hmm. how many of them you didn't have to do anything but clean it. It'd be very, very few, maybe five, maybe ten, maybe.
1: Well, just when they put
0: pictures up on the wall, yeah, you got to I mean, wind up painting. Correct. Yeah, they do anything, and what generally happens is far worse. You know, they, they had a dog. We had a house that we bought one time where there was a a parrot or some kind of bird or something that ate all the cabinets.
1: It it ate the molding out of the around the kitchen windows and kitchen doors. It
0: ate half of a kitchen cabinet. Yeah. I don't know which I'd rather have, a pit bull at a property or one of those damn birds. That thing, and it was big. It was a huge bird. I was scared of that bird. (laughs) Oh! They come flying through the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, you'd you'd be standing there and like, you didn't know if you're getting attacked or not. I don't know. That
1: that thing's going to pick Brad up and haul him off. Yeah.
0: It'd be like uh, that one movie with... Well, I don't know any actors' names. So I just need to be quiet. I'm gonna try and explain it, and you're gonna be like, "Brad, I don't know what you're."
1: Talking I felt about. safe because even if he he grabbed a hold of me, my
0: feet would drag the ground. Yeah, yeah, be yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. He'd have to fly a lot, <laughs> lot, lot higher, lot higher, lot higher with you. Uh, but there's no vacancy, no repair with the owner finance model. So to argue against that, you could say, "Well, but you have to foreclose at times. You still have default, and that's true. We have defaults probably about eight percent of the time. Eight, not eighty. Eight. So it's a a significant minority of the time that we have that. But I think about my foreclosures. I've literally in my entire career never had a foreclosure hurt me. And the reason for that is really the benefit of number three is we get big down payments. Yeah. We get big down payments. So Tony's first owner finance deal took $45,000 down payment on a house that was where and what price?
1: That house was in McMinnville, Tennessee. So a big city, right? No, 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 no. Uh smaller, smaller city outside of Murfreesboro, uh outside of Nashville. I mean, further out it gets from a big city, they get smaller, you know. And I mean price point was one seventy five. And they put forty five thousand
0: down. Forty five K down. And then they went in and renovated it. They went in and renovated the whole thing on the inside. And well, then sold us another house, and then bought another one. And then and then sold
1: us one in Spring Hill, which was a hot area at the time. Yeah. And then they sold that one, but then we got a house in Cookville, Tennessee, and and they, and they bought that one for their daughter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's one of the few people in our entire career that were repeat people yeah. that we worked with, but yeah. great people, great people. So no vacancy, no repair when you owner finance. And that brings us to the next point, which is this model is highly, highly scalable. So I've got a great friend of mine has about 200 notes that he manages part-time with a part-time assistant. Can you imagine having 200 lease options? I've always wondered how many he had. Ballpark, yeah. And, he, and he's probably gotten rid of a bunch. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, having 200 rentals where... Hey, my faucet's leaky, the, the toilet keeps running, The uh, it's been hot lately, the, right. the, the HVAC, we have it at 70, it's 80, my kids are screaming, right. my wife's screaming at me, you know, <laughs> like all those problems that happen all the time. In the owner finance model, when you get that call, it's like, hey, I have a great HVAC person that I can recommend to you.
1: Yeah, it just happened to me last night. Okay. I got a text last night that, hey, can... Do you know of a good electrician in our area? I'm owner financing a house to this this family because the electricity is not working in the bathroom, and basically the the light. And I said, "How do you know the electricity is not working?" Well, the lights won't come on. Yeah. So what I said, so what we know is the lights aren't coming on. Yeah. We don't know that the electricity is not. Have on. you
0: checked the bulb?
1: And so it it could be as simple as a couple of things. I mean, it could be a breaker. Uh, it could be that that where, there, where the steam comes up in the bathtub and there's a light slash somebody, instead of just putting a, a vent in there, they put a light vent yeah. in there, you know. So, But anyway, I was able to say, hey, listen, I do have a good electrician in that area, and I sent him a text, uh, sent him the, his name and phone number, and already this morning they've gotten a, a text that says, thank you, he's coming over today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. A lot easier than it being your problem. Yes, yeah, not my problem. Yeah, not that we want to pass problems on, but um, you know, when problems well, happen, yeah. you have property, you're going to have problems. Yeah, uh, when those things happen, then we're able to because uh, they own it. It's like, hey, here's a yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I bought my
1: house from PennyMac. It's not owner finance. I can't call PennyMac and tell them that I have an outside electrical yeah, outlet pretty, right now that I cannot get to work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know. I saw on um, one of those online forums, th- this is kind of like floating around on Facebook right now, uh, someone asked the question of, uh, hey, I just bought a house, uh, paid half a million dollars for it, my loan's for fifty or whatever, if the market goes down to four hundred, do I get a refund from the bank? And everybody's like, you're an idiot, no, you don't. And they were like, well, why not? The market went down. It's like this person has no concept of uh, what an agreement means. But uh, you have people at times that are going to be difficult. But it is really good that it sounds like you have a reasonable person that has a small issue and they reached out to the person that they know might be able to help, yeah. which is you. Yeah. Where we can't even call Penny Mac and get a re- recommendation in Florida on some sub two deal that they, they have. Would laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we do the best that we can for people. I mean, at the end of the day, guys, like the main benefit of owner financing is you can scale that model farther than you can the lease option model, okay? The main benefit, I think the lease option people could say is, well, you can double dip. I think that makes sense if you just don't know how to buy. But you're never gonna create a really strong asset base by doing that because you're always having to go back to work to stabilize the same amount of cash flow. So let's talk about cons. I have one main con for lease option additional to this and then one con for owner finance. Okay. So the main (coughs) con that I can see from the buyer perspective on lease option is you have no control. So the title is still in your seller's name. You may have an option to buy it, but you don't own it. And so if that seller, God forbid, gets into a car accident, hurts somebody, they get a lawsuit filed against them and a judgment, the judgment's going on the house that you have the option to. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you may pay for years and then through no fault of your own you have to to vacate the property because there's a judgment that's more than what your purchase price was so
1: any lien can still be placed on, placed yeah. on that based on the person that owns the house oh.
0: yeah yeah any judgment per, so if when, the person when doesn't you pay, do the taxes, pay it out
1: it could have liens and judgments on it
0: yeah correct and which would prohibit you from even purchasing it And that's one of the big reasons why we get big down payments and lease option people don't is they own the house and people understand the difference. People understand whether they want to own the house. They want to, and they're locked out of the mortgage game. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's that. I think the main con to owner financing, it doesn't seem real at first. So I remember the first deal I did, I got a $17,000 note and I had the paperwork that showed I was owed $17,000, but it just didn't register for me. And for years it didn't register to me that I'm owed money just as if I had exchanged $17,000 in $100 bills for the same piece of paper. And what I tell people all the time is it doesn't feel real until it cash you have the first one cash out. Until you have the first one cash out. So uh, I know Will Cannon posted in the group. I think he got a hundred and ten thousand, maybe it's hundred and fifteen thousand dollar check from his first one that cashed out. Yep. Uh, we've had multiple people do above fifty k on their first cash out, mm-hmm. and they're getting cash flow along the way. Right. And so that's the benefits of wraps, which is in part owner finance. You know, so it's like a a, a a rectangle is a square, but a square is not a no. It's the other way around. A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. Okay. Owner finance wraps or owner financing, but owner financing is not always a wrap. But the power of wraps is we're getting paid today with the down payment. We're getting paid each month with cash flow along the way, which builds up retirement money. Uh so passive, truly passive income, mm-hmm. because we're not managing property, we're managing paper. Right. And third, you get a cash out at some point when this person refinances or pays you off. And so you, you get to the point where every so often you get a call that says, uh, hey Joe, this is so-and-so title company. We need your wiring instructions because you're about to get a payoff. Mm. And then you look and you have X amount hit the account. You know, but it doesn't feel real at first. So if you have a rental property, you can go in, you can touch the cabinets, you can you can smell the, the, the smell in the house, uh, hashtag stinky house challenge on TikTok, mm-hmm. and realize that you own something. But... I've never seen, I've been to a lot of big cities, I've never seen a rental company have the tallest building in that city. But I've always seen the the tallest building, almost always, is a finance company, either a bank or insurance. Sometimes it's telecommunication. But it's tough to beat the interest model because the banks understand that you can control assets without ownership. There's very little liability in owning notes. If there's a slip and fall lawsuit, they sue the owner, not the, the person that owns the paper which I guess I could have had as another benefit, but it's a model where it doesn't feel real until you, you get to a point where you start having cash out. And then you realize like all this equity that I have in note is true net worth. So instead of, if we talk about building a retirement income for the future, it's like, it's really tough to make a hundred thousand dollars and invest it into a 401k, but it's far easier to do two deals at 60K and have 120K in note that happens. And you have that as retirement, mm-hmm. and it's cash flow, along the way, right? It, and you know it's waiting on you at some point, right? So, that's about it for us today. I went a little bit longer than what I thought. I must well, have. Well, it was good had, stuff. Had some big opinions on this. Yeah, big opinions. You know, big opinions, big opinions. So, uh, cool. We'll call it today, guys. Tuesday morning coffee. We'll see you next time, and y'all have a good week.